This message comes from NPR sponsor Capital One, offering checking and savings accounts with no fees or minimums, and a banking app to check balances, deposit checks, and transfer money. That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Capital One NA, member FDIC. Lots of things might say the 1980s to you. Perms, valley girls, enormous early cell phones. But aerobics influenced everything from health trends to fashion to the booming home video market. So it only makes sense to bring aerobics to prestige TV. In the new Apple series, Physical, Rose Byrne plays a woman whose early 80s journey from miserable wife to powerhouse businesswoman goes directly through the fitness industry. I'm Linda Holmes. Today we're talking about Physical on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR, so don't go away. This message comes from NPR sponsor Teladoc. Teladoc is here for you with 24-7 access to board-certified doctors who can diagnose and treat non-emergency conditions like sinus infections, allergies, rashes, and more. And Teladoc's doctors can, where authorized, call in a prescription to be filled at the pharmacy of your choice. Download the app today or visit teladoc.com NPR. Welcome back. Joining us today is Kristen Meinzer, the co-host of the podcast Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen. She's also the co-author of How to Be Fine. Welcome back, Kristen. Oh my gosh. So excited to be back here with you today to talk about this very interesting show. For real, for real. Physical was created by Annie Wiseman, who maybe not coincidentally used to write for Desperate Housewives and has done a bunch of uh, TV writing jobs and producing jobs since. Rose Byrne, who you may know from Being Great and Everything, plays uh, Sheila Rubin, who despite being very, very beautiful by any conventional standard, has a profoundly miserable relationship with her body. She's bulimic. She subjects herself to an unrelentingly abusive interior monologue about how fat and useless and ugly she is. Oh, you uh, need a tanning bed? I, sorry, I should say want. Who needs a tanning bed? He's saying you're pale, pasty, fat, gross, disgusting. Her husband, Danny, played by Rory Scovel, is a college professor who's interested in getting into local politics, and she keeps it from him when she starts to develop a fascination with an aerobics instructor named Bunny, who has a studio in the mall, another great 80s signifier. There are 10 episodes of this. Kristen, we've both seen all of them. We're going to try not to spoil too much, but in general terms, what did you think? Well, first of all, Linda, I just have to say how excited I was to see this because in the 80s, I was an aerobicizer. I did have a perm. I did wear the leotards. Mm -hmm. My Nana and I would watch Richard Simmons every day. We would do our 20-minute workouts. It was something that was so central to American life and to uh, female life in America at the time. So I was really excited to see how aerobics would essentially save our protagonist's life because that's what the whole story supposedly is based on the opening scenes of this, based on the trailers, aerobics are going to save her life. And I have to say, 
I felt really let down because that's not really what the story is at all in this. Yeah. That was pretty disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they start with this sequence where you see Sheila sitting at a table in a backstage area. It's all brightly lit as she's like looking at her makeup. And then somebody kind of comes up and is clearly very intimidated by her and is like, oh, it's almost time to go. And she goes and it becomes clear that this is the taping of a, an aerobics video. And so she's like a big mogul. And they tell you that that's 1986, and then it's one of these shows where it immediately goes, dunk, 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 now it's 1981. And now you're back with Sheila as this, like, very bored, miserable woman living with this, like, kind of, like, both somehow self-righteous and sleazy husband. Oh, He's, yeah. like, both wants to lecture about how to make the world a better place and also wants to try to set up threesomes with students. It's a very, like, kind of, to me weird character. He actually, to me, seemed very realistic for a lot of snags. Sensitive new age guy who acts like he's yeah. in touch and, why are you so uptight, baby? Yeah. You used to be fun. Yeah, I think he's not, maybe what I should say is it's not that he's a weird character. It's just that, like, I didn't necessarily expect to spend so much time on him in this. Yes, yes. Because what <laughs> I felt like the promise was of that opening sequence is kind of what you were saying, is that the promise of it is you're going to see how she transforms herself from this, you know, very unhappy person to this kind of superstar and how that happens through aerobics and fitness. And, you know, I think they do a good job of of kind of getting you inside how at that time, the home video industry, the home video boom is kind of colliding with the aerobics boom. And it's, you know, making everybody fascinated by the idea of putting out tapes, like aerobics tapes. Because mm -hmm. you got to remember, prior to around the time this is happening, you mostly just watched stuff on TV when it was on. And yeah, I enjoyed that part of it. But you spend so much time on the husband running for state assembly. And I've rarely cared about a story less. <laughs> and he's terrible. I mm -hmm. kept on looking for what is redeeming about him. Why is she with this guy? Mm -hmm. Why is he taking up half the screen time? I I, I just couldn't stand him. I yeah. really hated him the whole time. I, yeah. I understood in yeah. the beginning, like, oh, we need to see what she's trying to rise above, why she needs to escape from this. But then for us to then spend the next 10 episodes watching his run for office oh, while he just continues to be sleazy, like, I don't care. I just don't care about you. I kept thinking, why am I watching this guy at fundraisers? Like, who cares? <laughs> like, the part of this that I think is interesting were the parts with that really damaging, toxic kind of self-talk that she yes. has. I was interested in this as a story about desire and hunger and self-loathing and kind of this very, very fine line, weirdly, between health, quote-unquote, culture and self-harm. I think there's a lot of really interesting stuff in there, but they keep running away from it to go hang out with the husband. Yes, I totally agree with you. And I was thinking at a certain point, were they trying to set up the similarities between self-harm and bulimia? She struggles with disordered eating and that battle to constantly fight against your own body right. with aerobics where you're on a stage and you're being applauded for doing those things to right. your body. I am working my body to death. I right. am being applauded and I'm being told I'm pretty for it. 
versus secret eating like she does. Right. And I also wanted to see more of that. I wanted to see the two sides of that same coin. I wanted to see more aerobics too. There just wasn't enough mm-hmm. aerobics in this for me. Mm-hmm. Not just as a former aerobicizer, but as somebody who, for the sake of the story, needed to see how the aerobics were saving her. Right. For being billed as a show that's about aerobics saving her life, we don't see very many aerobics. Yeah, it's really true. And I think like there is an idea that is at the heart of this, the the empowering of the physical body versus the punishing of the physical body and that she sort of loathes her own hungers mm-hmm. in a way. And I think that is sort of related to the fact that she also loathes the fact that she wants to be powerful and is very hesitant to admit that she wants to be powerful. All this stuff I could have watched 15 episodes about, partly because I think Rose Byrne is so good in this. She is. Indelibly great in this. And yet, I think they got tied up in, on the one hand, wanting to kind of present that 80s aerobic aesthetic. And for some reason, also kind of wanting to do a certain kind of California liberalism in the early days of the Ronald Reagan presidency and kind of what people out there were like at that time, what their house parties felt like kind of coming out of the permissive hippie 70s into what were going to be the much more kind of Wall Street 80s, like the Reagan 80s. I think there are a bunch of ideas here. I just, I wanted to be with her all the time. Absolutely. I mean, the show is a disappointment, but I kept hitting play on the next episode because Mm -hmm. I wanted to see what she would do. Would we spend more time with her? But instead, we had all of these tangents that just didn't feel like they belong there. Like, what? We're talking about the conflict in Lebanon now? Hold on. Who is this person who has sexual kinks? What is swimming now a way to fight back against conservative Christianity? What is this priest in here for? And all of these different things were happening, and I didn't quite understand why they were there. Right. And I just wanted to go back to Rose Byrne because I totally agree with you. She is the best thing about this show. She is so good to watch. She's so good to listen to. All that stuff in her brain is really, I mean, I know not everybody likes the internal monologue kind of show, but in this case, I feel like when she is talking about herself, it works really, really well. Right. I think the interior monologue stuff gets very old when it's just for exposition, when it's just so that Mm -hmm. you don't have to give people any other idea of what the person's emotions are. But in this case, I think her self-talk is a big thing that the show is about. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, she's not just explaining what's going on. You're getting the idea of, like, this is how she talks to herself. This is what her self-concept is. And, you know, you mentioned some of these other characters. And one of the things I think is a shame, there's nothing wrong with some of these other characters or the way that they're being portrayed. There's a woman named Deirdre Friel who plays a woman named Greta who kind of becomes a originally kind of kind of friend, maybe a real friend to Sheila. I like that performance. I think she's mm-hmm. good. I think there are even some interesting ideas in that character. I just don't understand why there's so much pulling away from the actual story to do this other stuff. And my concern is, you know, They give you that kind of like 1986, tick, 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 1981. I don't know how long it would take at the pacing of this show to get to 1986, (laughs) but I'm going to say five or six seasons probably. Or 10. (laughs) We're not really making progress along that transformation. And so I think the show runs into trouble partly because it's not keeping the promise of that opening sequence. Absolutely. And 
that's why I wanted to watch. I wanted to see her go on that journey. I wanted to see how she tapped into the betterment movement. And right. I have major qualms with the self-help and betterment world. One of the shows I host by the book, we essentially tear it apart in every episode. We mm -hmm. read a different self-help book. We dive into why people love it and what's wrong with it. And I wanted to see more of that too. And you know, there's a little tiny exploration of that early on in the series because there's a different self-help person who she mm -hmm. loathes. And I kind of wanted to see her play off of that a little bit more, play off of that other self-help guru who she can't stand, and then, you know, use more of his methods in her own rise to the top. We see her kind of right. do that a tiny bit, but if you blink, you miss it. And right. I just wanted more of her, more of Rose Byrne being vicious, being self-destructive, being delicious, and then climbing, not just being stagnant in her self-destruction. Because a lot of the show is frustrating just watching her, oh, here she is again uh, being self-destructive. Here she is lying again. Here she is stealing again. Here she is self-sabotaging again. Right. And it just happens over and over and over and over again. I'm like, when is she going to go up the steps to the next place? Right. Also, I think every time the show kind of asks you to be invested in whether her husband is going to find out what she's doing, which she doesn't want him to know, once she kind of starts to get involved with Bunny and all that, it didn't feel important to me for the purposes of her growth as a character. It felt like plotty stuff put in there to be plotty stuff. And again, you know, I will probably watch a second season of this if there is one <laughs> because I love her in it so much. I think if they were to tell me by the end of the next season, we're going to get to 1986, I'd be like, I'm there. 100% recommend have no hesitations. It's just, unfortunately, that's not the show that they've made. I would also, Linda, watch another season of this. I Honestly, I would watch a couple more seasons of this, but I do need it to move faster than this yeah. first 10 episodes. Yeah. No more politics. No more state assembly. Our verdict is we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> just more Sheila, please. More Sheila doing aerobics. And please, do more of the aerobics believably because I didn't even mention this yet. She never even once yells out the term grapevine. And you know what? You should be yelling out terms like that when you are doing aerobics and when you're taking us on that journey. So more aerobics, more believable aerobics, more Sheila. Yep. Absolutely agree. Need an aerobics consultant and a lot less husband. <laughs> well, we want to know what you think about physical. You can find us at facebook.com slash PCHH and on Twitter at PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. Thank you so much, Kristen, for being here. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much for having me back. It was so fun. And of course, thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. If you have a second, subscribe to our newsletter. That's over at npr.org slash newsletter. We will see you all tomorrow when we will be talking about Vroom 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 F9. I'm Gregory Warner, host of NPR's Rough Translation. The military helped launch Silicon Valley, but now they're kind of on the outs. You're surprised that you look at me and say, no, that's not possible. Yes, it is. And so it just dawned, this is just not going anywhere. Stories of communication and miscommunication each week on Homefront from Rough Translation. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capital One, offering checking and savings accounts with no fees or minimums and a banking app to check balances, deposit checks, and transfer money. That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Capital One N.A. Member FDIC.